Sarcoma Insight. Sarcoma Insight, this is our destination for education for both benign and malignant tumors. Welcome to this episode of Sarcoma Insight. This is our first episode of the year 2023. We are so excited. I see you smiling over there, Elise. <laughs> yeah, still getting used to, you know, writing 2023. But yeah, it's it's good. I feel like you can see the other side of winter. We're getting into that time and it, it's good. Wow, winter. I know nothing about winter. Uh, it was, <laughs> Fair enough. Fair yeah, enough. It was, it was definitely like 65 here today, so... Um, <laughs> Shout out to the weather in Jackson, Mississippi. <laughs> <laughs> any any updates? Any new resolutions for, oh, yeah. for this so, year? Oh yeah. Well, for, first, actually, I want to formally say this because I've texted it to you, but I have not told you Happy New Year, at least. Oh yes, Happy New Year, Happy you new too. Year. How did you spend your New Year? Um, I was here in Seattle, and um, we live near a park where you have actually a nice view of the downtown area with the Space Needle. And we were able to be up there at midnight and see some fireworks get set off wow. from the downtown wow. area. And it was uh, uh, quite a quite a show. And it actually was uh, reasonable weather that day, too. So wow. it was not yeah. raining and we were able to see a pretty nice fireworks <laughs> show. So it was good. Wow. Yeah, also spent it with some special people. Wow, prime prime real estate there, huh? A view of downtown, <laughs> huh? Excellent. Yeah. So uh, you had asked me about resolution before I got sidetracked. Yes. But, you know, last year I had a resolution. I was going to run a marathon. Um, failed miserably. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but but uh, you did run a race, right? Um, I did a 5K Okay. That is correct. And so this year, um, you know, I'm 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 doubling down, or maybe I'm halfing down because I'm gonna do a half marathon and the goal is gonna be the Brooklyn half. So I have to um work on that, but uh I did sign up for a 10k. You know, I should have thought about this a little bit more ahead of time, but uh let's see, New Year's resolutions. Well, I'd like to plan my wedding for this year. So Ooh. we'll put that as a resolution. <laughs> uh, yes. I haven't picked a date yet. But yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll say that's a, my resolution, even though it's, I don't know if that counts. <laughs> yeah. Just let me know the date so I could block it off and just take, uh, take the week yeah. off from work too. Yeah. Perfect. Great. Well, yeah, it's really exciting to have another year of Circum Insight and have our second new year that we've gotten to celebrate um, together. And we're looking forward to a really fun year ahead. Yeah. Um, what are some of our resolutions or goals for Sarcoma Insight? Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I think, I think overall, and we can both agree to this and uh, really trying to keep up, uh, putting up with contents, uh, you know, as our practices become more and more busy, Definitely build out more uh, our websites to be more friendly. This is sarcomainsight.com, more friendly to our uh, listeners and our base uh, so that you guys can have uh, more access. And we are open to ideas on how to make the website better. So if you are able to reach out to us, please feel free uh, to do that. Uh, we do want to take this opportunity uh, to thank our followers, listeners, supporters. It has been really amazing uh, journey for Elise and I with 
uh, how much we've grown and how much love we've uh, received from everyone uh, this past year. Yes. Thank you so much um, to all of our listeners. It's a really exciting milestone that we've hit and can't wait to see it continue to grow this year. Absolutely. So uh, Elise, uh, what are peripheral nerve sheet tumors? Yeah. So as usual, we'll start out with some of the basics. So a peripheral nerve sheath tumor are, it's uh, actually pretty clear in the name in this one. <laughs> some of the others, we have to do some interpretation or translation, but this is a tumor that is uh, adjacent to or involving a component of the uh, peripheral nerve sheath. There can be both benign and malignant versions of this, but today we're going to be focusing on the benign peripheral nerve sheath tumors. Um, so the, the primary neoplastic cell that is typically affected in these types of tumors is the Schwann cell. And so these are the cells that are on the outside or the lining of the nerves. Uh, there's two different types in general of, of these peripheral nerve sheath tumors. There's ones called schwannomas, which were are still to some degree, but more formerly known as neurolemma, but most people refer to these as schwannomas. Um, it's very rare for there to be a malignant version or malignant transformation of these types of peripheral nerve sheath tumors. Uh, and these are typically separated from the nerve sheath, uh, which is much more apparent uh, intraoperatively but certainly under the microscope as well. I usually will draw a picture of these kinds of tumors when I'm talking about the difference between them to my patients. Whereas a neurofibroma, the nerves are generally a bit more tangled up with the tumor cells it, itself. Um, these can occur in isolation, but are more commonly associated with a, a type of syndrome called neurofibromatosis. And so there's Schwann cells plus other nerve components, perineural cells, fibroblasts, and inflammatory cells that are involved in neurofibromas. And these have a higher potential to become uh, malignant or have malignant transformation. And then there's other variants of these kinds of tumors as well. So there's you can see ancient change within these schwannomas or uh benign peripheral nerve sheath tumors and it can have a more indolent appearance on MRI but I'm getting a little yeah. of ourselves but in general yeah. it's schwannomas <laughs> or neurofibromas yeah don't, don't do the entire episode I know minutes. I'm sorry <laughs> but yes excited. Um, definitely very exciting um, uh, to be back in this episode and, and exactly what you said uh, schwannomas and neurofibromas so at least you've done some explaining regarding these uh, two main benign peripheral nerve sheet tumors. Uh, who would get diagnosed uh, with these? Uh, yeah, so schwannomas in general, we'll see in patients who are in their middle age. So typically the most common age would be at age 30 to 60, though these can occur in, in patients of all ages. Um, and these are, are typically uh, tumors that will occur in, in isolation. Um, neurofibromas, on the other hand, these more commonly occur in patients who have uh, like a, a syndrome, as we talked about before, where there's multiple 
Um, there's multiples of these tumors. So it would be a neurofibromatosis. And these can occur in, in younger individuals as well than in that case. Uh, so patients who are even younger than the age of 20 or 30 years old, we might see these neurofibromas. They can occur in different locations as well. So they can involve the skin as well as, as deep nerves. So there's typically um, uh, a high number of these tumors that you'll see in, in patients that have neurofibromatosis. Um, you can still see these in isolation as well in the sporadic form as opposed to this uh, genetically associated form. Uh, and that would be in the same age range as the patients who we see schwannomas in. So typically in that age 20 to 40 year old range. Yeah. And I just have one bone to pick, uh, Elise. You said that middle age is over 30. <laughs> I don't know if I'm ready to claim that one. Uh, yeah, I know. Uh, young adult to middle age. There we go. Say that. All right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anything else to add about um, who, wh which patients we see who get these types of tumors? Uh, no, I think I think you've encapsulated it. So. You, I think if you wanted to separate both of them, the schwannoma would be in a more older population compared to a neurofibroma. In general, that's um, yes. typically the case. Yeah. In, in yeah. general, correct. Um, right. And then kind of moving on. So we talked a little bit about who gets these tumors and in general what they are and what they mean. Um, but where in the body do these types of tumors typically occur? Yeah, and um, I'll start with schwannomas for this. They commonly occur in the extremities as well as the head and neck area. Uh, in some rare occasions, they can occur in the large uh, nerves within the pelvis. But like most of the tumors we deal with, we see that they occur more commonly in the extremities. For the neurofibromas, uh, these are more likely to be in the extremities if they are the sporadic kind, whereas for patients who have the diagnosis of neurofibromatosis, especially neurofibromatosis number one, uh, they can be near a spinal cord or the brain or in unusual locations that are not the extremity, such as cutaneous as well. Neurofibromatosis, I think Elise has touched on this briefly, uh, or a group of diagnoses, they're mostly genetic uh, in nature, and they're associated with differing findings, make each of these a separate diagnosis. We will not go into the specific details of each of these neurofibromatoses, but we will uh, discuss them uh, when they do come up as part of uh, the different ways to identify the diagnosis of a neurofibroma. We have a patient who is middle-aged, like, you know, 30s. And, uh, and so that would fall in the category of either one of these. What would they present with that would make you concerned for either a schwannoma versus a neurofibroma? Yeah. So it, in general, um, these 
present in a, a somewhat similar manner for benign peripheral sh- nerve sheath tumors because they're associated with the nerve. They're often painful when there's pressure on the nerve or, or um, either direct pressure, like just bumping the area or um, uh, continuous pressure, like say it's on the back of your leg and you're sitting in the car driving for a long time and uh, maybe that could cause some some pressure and pain in the area. But a lot of times too, again, with this following a nerve, usually that'll be a shooting type of pain as well. That'll shoot away from where that tumor is along the course of the nerve. So that can provide some valuable insight um, and is a good piece of the um, clinical information and physical examination. Um, but those about the are the shooting sign. pains are the shooting pains also known as paresthesia? Yeah. So the paresthesias that you'll get, um, that's that abnormal kind of sleepy feeling um, of numbness and tingling that you'll get in a, in a nerve distribution um, as well. Again, any anything that's associated with the nerve. So it could, depending on the type of nerve that it's associated with it, you could have some weakness as well. If this is uh, larger, it gets to a point where it's causing significant mass effect. Um, but so that that's pretty similar, I would say, for both neurofibromas and schwannomas. One thing that's unique between the two that I think we've already talked about a little bit is that neurofibromas, there are versions of this that are cutaneous. So that does not happen with schwannomas, but there's neurofibromas that directly involved the uh, skin level. Um, other things that you'll see that would indicate neurofibromatosis, so that disorder, genetic disorder that leads to uh, patients having many of these lesions. Uh, there's some other features that we look for. And so those are skin lesions. Um, there's particular ones that we call cafe au lait spots. Um, because of the the coloring of, of them. So they have a kind of light tan appearance that's abnormally uh, with abnormal borders. Um, so if patients have six or more of these, then that would suggest they could have neurofibromatosis. You can also have freckling in areas like the axilla or armpit or in the groin. Um, and then there's also lesions that can involve the the eye, the iris, we call those Lisch nodules. Uh, those are iris hamartomas. And then patients can also have an optic glioma as well. So there's other things that go along with the pattern in order to get to a diagnosis of neurofibromatosis. So long story short, the tumors themselves are typically painful and occur in a nerve distribution. Um, but there's other other features that you can see on examination that might point you towards this being associated with neurofibromatosis specifically. Any anything to add? Yeah, um, I, I want to go back to the cafe au lait spots. Yeah. Um. Uh, so cafe au lait, um, it's really like coffee with milk, correct? So it's like a correct. lighter. It's like a lighter coffee. Yeah. Right. So it's a it's an area of discoloration that'll be lighter. Uh, and the for the neurofibromatoses, uh, really, uh, they're described as coast of California, correct? I believe so. Yeah, so it's coast of California, 
Coastal, Coastal California Cafe Ole spot. So it took me a while to get this. So there are different kinds of Cafe Ole spots. And there's a Coast of Maine Cafe Ole spot and Coast of California. And the Coast of Maine Cafe Ole spots are named that because Maine has very rough borders or edges. If you were to look at the coast of Maine on a map, whereas California has a very well-established coastline that is sort of longer and lengthy and smoother, smoother than the coast of Maine. Does that sound accurate? It does. Because of all the beaches in California, as opposed to all the, the rocky, rough coastline of Maine. Exactly. And if I'm not correct, the coastline of Maine uh, covers, um, I want to say it might be one of the largest in the country. Uh, And it has actually more coastline than California, believe it or not. So who thought you were only going to learn about tumors on Sarcoma Insight? We learn a little geography as well. Yeah. (laughs) well it helps me remember this and so when you think of the coast of california cafe ole spots you think of neurofibromatosis when you think of the coast of maine cafe ole spots so you see a patient in your clinic who has a painful mass you think it could be a, a schwannoma or a neurofibroma or another type of nerve sheath tumor what would you order next? What is uh, your diagnostic workup for these patients? Okay. Yep. I think we try to classify most of our tumors into bone and soft tissue. So a nerve will fall into what I would believe would be a soft tissue category. And so in that scenario, the imaging study that we would prefer would be something that can allow us to visualize soft tissues. Primarily an MRI would be the option with or without contrast. Um, And the MRI will be able to uh, ascertain if this was a mass that, uh, if the symptoms that are arising are related to one, a separate mass that is causing a mass effect onto a nerve leading to the nerve symptoms or a tumor that is actually associated with the nerve, a true peripheral nerve sheet tumor. From that MRI, we can start to ascertain whether it is likely to be a schwannoma versus a neurofibroma. Right? Some of the things that make this uh, possible are that within the evaluation of a schwannoma, you will find that the tumor itself can be eccentrically located, so off to the side. There can be different signs, such as a string sign, whereas for a neuro- neurofibroma, mass, the main mass is mostly centrally located within the nerve. They can be fusiform in nature uh, or appearing to seem like a bag of worms. All right. No, yeah, I think those are all, um, yeah, really great points for what you can see on MRI. I think some of the others too, I feel like this is one of the ones that has a lot of the like classic things that we'll look for. Um, the target the sign. sign and the target sign. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so these are, these are, um, 
typically tumors that have a somewhat more classic appearance on MRI, but uh, it can still look sometimes um, uh, concerning. And then what would you do at that point if you weren't sure if this was a benign peripheral nerve sheath tumor or other other kind? Is there Are there any other diagnostic studies you would get or any other steps you would take to determine? Yes, there's a ongoing and increasing use of PET CT scans for assessing these, especially in settings where patients have a known neurofibroma. And the benefit of PET CT would be to show if there were any neurofibromas that were more active uh, than not, right? And this would need to obviously be paired with the physical examination of the patient. Uh, and uh, for these, uh, if additional information is needed, often a biopsy can be obtained. Now, the biopsy itself can be a very painful process. As you can imagine, you are sampling a nerve. And so often, if the concern was more for a schwannoma and we're able to discern this on imaging, it is often a, an excisional type biopsy uh, versus uh, you know maybe a punch biopsy or uh, a core biopsy or a needle biopsy of that sort. What do you what What are your thoughts, Elise? Yeah, yeah, I I agree. If I'm ever sending a patient for an uh, ultrasound guided needle biopsy of what I suspect to be a type of peripheral nerve sheath tumor, either benign or malignant, um, then I will typically warn them that it may cause some increased pain and some uh, worsening of their symptoms temporarily for a few days with some of those paresthesias. Uh, but sometimes what the radiologists can do if they're the ones doing the biopsy, especially with the musculoskeletal radiologists, they can sometimes combine that with a nerve block as well in order to make the procedure a little bit more comfortable for the patient. But yeah, I completely agree. It can definitely be painful doing a needle biopsy or, or other type of uh, small small sampling of the lesion as opposed to an, an excisional biopsy. But with an excisional biopsy, um, then certainly, of course, we have to warn the patient about the potential for injury to the associated nerve. Because um, even if it is the kind that is more off to the side, meaning a schwannoma as opposed to a neurofibroma, it still can be very challenging to to guarantee that there's not injury to the main nerve fibers. Um, and so that's the biggest part of the conversation that I'll be having with patients who have, uh, we're talking about either excision um, for confirmation of the diagnosis or once we know the diagnosis and that's um, their next choice in the step for treatment. Yeah, and I think that is so key. Uh, is that it's that discussion, and 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 if I might skip ahead a little bit, that really starts to go into treatment for these, and and really the breakdown is, you know, if these are asymptomatic or relatively asymptomatic, generally we want to treat them with observation, uh, because there's that risk that whenever you come close to a nerve, that the nerve itself can sustain injury. Uh, and that injury can lead to unpredictable function of that nerve, especially if it's a motor nerve uh, that is uh, the primary nerve that is 
associated with the schwannoma. Uh, <clears throat> and so when these schwannomas are symptomatic, then you'd want to do an excision. And the excision generally is marginal, right? Staying on the edge, like we had talked about, versus trying to get a margin negative resection. Um, for neurofibromas, at least, what do you usually do for these? You just take the nerve, right? You have to take the whole nerve. Yeah. So if, if we're talking about surgery for a neurofibroma, the only way to remove it um, is to take the nerve right above and below where that tumor is because it's so intimately associated with the nerve fibers that the debulking alone, um, just trying to preserve part, will likely lead to some decrease in function of that nerve and could be painful as well. Uh, but I, there's, yeah. there's not a, not a good way. You can't really separate the nerve fibers from the from, tumor tissue. Exactly. In, in neurofibroma. And so the, often the discussion with a neurofibroma, with a neurofibroma excision is that the nerve will no longer function because we will be severing the nerve completely. And, and, that is uh, obviously a discussion that we have and we would have to have based on the location of the nerve and what the function of the nerve would be. And then what about what do these tumors look like under the microscope? So oh, yeah. oh, if we do remove them um, mm -hmm. or whether we do a corneal biopsy ahead of time or just an excisional biopsy, wow, how do these look different from each other? Yeah. So the schwannoma, we already talked about some of the findings on MRI, right? Um, of it being eccentrically located, uh, the different signs you would find. And so this, you also see when you look at it under the microscope, you actually see that the tumor itself uh, is well-contained. Um, and then when you look at the pathology, uh, there are a couple of things that we have to know. So there are different cell lineages or the different appearances uh, that we define on patho pathologic slides for these. Uh, we give them names. There's an Anthony A and Anthony B. And the other term you should know are Viroque bodies. Anthony A are when our spindle cells, they form in bundles. And Anthony B are when there are less cellular areas that are mostly filled with collagen fibers and macrophages. What this combines to is a Viroque body, which looks like uh, a mirror image of palisading cells. So it almost looks like the cells are forming, uh, I think of it as a brick wall uh, on two sides, but they look very similar, like you had a mirror image of them. It's really hard to explain. We might have to start putting some pictures up when we talk about pathology, <laughs> yeah. but they are defined as nuclear palisading with two rows that are aligned. And those are the Viroque bodies. Now, the schwannomas will also test positive of a stain. This is the S100 stain. So S100, we've talked about in previous episodes in the stains for neural elements. And in this case, the cell that is most common in this that would test would be the Schwann cells, which we talked about at the top of this episode. For neurofibromas, they're usually hypocellular, very active uh, in terms of the fibroblast activity. They can have a lot of different mixed cells and they can have mixoid components, right? They can be to some degree of mucin productivity. The S100 productivity, 
the S100 positivity in these are not as uh, common or evident as in the schwannoma, but that is because we know that the neurofibromas are ha, the neurofibromas have defective cells that include not only the Schwann cells but also the other parts, the fibroblasts and the other surrounding cells. So, Elise, we have uh, an individual that presented with a mass, they had this positive Tenel sign, they had paresthesias, they had pain. We imaged them, we suspected a benign peripheral nerve tumor, they underwent a biopsy that confirmed our diagnosis. We have now done a resection. What is the surveillance after this treatment for any of these patients? Again, these are both, we're, we're, we're still talking about just the benign peripheral nerve sheath tumors. This will look very different when we talk about malignant peripheral nerve sheath tumors. But in general, what we're looking for afterwards is just recovery of symptoms and making sure that the nerve's intact after surgery. Uh, if there are any deficits that are not expected, um, then certainly we'll monitor closely. But in general, from the perspective of the mass being removed itself, this is really just clinical follow-up for symptoms only. So if the patients have any new painful enlarging masses, particularly in the setting of a patient with neurofibromatosis where they have other ones, and this is not the only one that they had on their body that you removed, um, then you'd want to follow follow them typically at least annually. But otherwise, this is a once you're healed and, and have recovered from the initial post-operative period, it's let us know if anything changes in the future, but we don't do routine imaging going forward. Do you do anything different for your practice? No, I, I completely agree. And probably the most important thing is encouraging uh, the patient to, you know, for continued examination. I mean, often if someone has a neurofibroma, they probably have other neurofibromas. And so it would be on the lookout for a new mass or new pain or worsening uh, pain in any way. And that would need to be investigated if that was to occur. Right. Uh, and yeah. this is probably more important for neurofibromas because they do have that uh, slight likelihood, if you have neurofibromas, of becoming malignant. Correct. Yeah. So, yeah, typically at least annual surveillance for those patients in person. But then, like you mentioned, just educating patients with that disorder to be very vigilant and perform continued uh, close monitoring. Anything else to add before we get to the close of the episode? I have nothing to add. So would you like to get us off with some uh, salient points, Elise? Yeah. So today we discussed benign peripheral nerve sheath tumors. There's two distinct types. So I'll kind of start. We, in general, talked about them as with schwannomas first and then neurofibromas. So Schwannomas are the kind where they're typically associated uh, separate to and right along the outside portion of the nerve, so separate from the nerve fibers itself. Um, these more commonly occur in isolation as solitary masses um, and are typically in patients who are, what did we decide, uh, young adult to middle age. Uh, yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> uh, under the microscope, uh, these will have Veruca bodies, which have those palisading cells of Antony A and Antony B uh, cells, uh, like Dr. 
eBay was describing earlier. Wait, I'm Dr. eBay now. I'm sorry, like Easy was describing earlier. <laughs> um, and if they're symptomatic, then we will talk to patients about excision and potential risk of nerve injury. But otherwise, if they're asymptomatic, then observation alone is fine. Yeah. And uh, I think I'll finish with the S100 thing. For neurofibromas, we talked about them being centrally located, and they're also associated with uh, neurofibromatoses. They can occur spontaneously or sporadically. And when we are treating these, uh, really the excision itself will lead to uh, loss of function of the particular nerve uh, involved um, as well. Yeah, I think that's great. That's a, yeah. Summary of the differences between schwannomas and neurofibromas. And yeah. we can yeah. look forward to talking about malignant peripheral nerve sheath tumors and how those differ in an upcoming episode. Correct. That would be one of our next episodes as well. Uh, and then to close, I'll say it's important to note that every patient's case is unique and treatment for each diagnosis is dependent on a discussion with your team of physicians. Uh, if you would like more information on the topics, please feel free to check out the articles listed in the episode description. Uh, and if you enjoyed the episode, please uh, feel free to hit subscribe, uh, follow us on Instagram, uh, and uh, visit our website, sarcomainsight.com. Thank you very much for listening to our first episode of the year 2023. Sarcoma Insight.